Kedushin Daf Gimel. We're starting from a few lines down. The Gemara is in the middle of understanding why our Mishnah chose the Lashon of Shalosh Derachim. We explained that Derach can be used as a Lashon Nekeva, and therefore it said Shalosh, but now the Gemara is dwelling on why exactly is it saying Derach? Why isn't it saying Devarim? Why is it speaking about the three methods of making the Kedushin with the word Derach and not say Shalosh Devarim? So we said yesterday that that the reason is that derech is used is because we're talking about a specific nature, a tendency. We explained either that the lashon of bia is associated with derech, or we explained that it's the natural way, the tendency of a man uh, to try to find his lost object and go to be makadish, a woman. That then brought us to a tangent where other places we find the Mishnahis that it says derech as opposed to davar, and we try to figure out if there's a reason for that. So now we're at v'haditnan, and we're looking at koi yeshbo derechem shavalachai. We're talking about the koi, which is a specific type of animal that cannot, uh, chazal are not sure if it's considered like a chaya or behima. Behima is a domestic. Chaya is non-domestic. So Chazal weren't sure if, whether or not the koi was domestic or not. So it says in the Mishnah that there are drachim, there are ways that it's like a wild animal, just as a wild animal. The Torah says you have to cover the blood after shechting it. So to the koi's blood has to be covered because it might be a wild animal. There are ways that it's like a domestic animal. The chilev, the fat, forbidden fat of a of a domestic animal, um, may not be eaten. And we say that this possible behemoth, this koi, also you cannot have the chilaf. There are ways that it's similar to both a wild and a domestic animal. The halacha is for both behemoths and chayas, the din is you have to make a shechita before you eat from the meat. And a koi as well, you have to make a shechita before you eat from the meat. So in that regard, it's similar to both. And there's a halacha in a certain way where it's not like a wild or a domestic animal. In what sense? You cannot mix, you cannot crossbreed with either type because since we're not sure what it is, so either one might possibly be a forbidden form of crossbreeding. So this is the Mishnah telling us the drachim that a koi shares in its similar characteristics to a chaya and a behima to both and to neither. So the question is, does it say dvarim? How come it doesn't say dvarim? There, there's no particular nature or way of thing that we're saying. And the, according to what the Gemara has been theorizing, we only use derech when we're talking about a specific nature and a way where something is. So how come there, it doesn't just say dvarim? But so furthermore, it says in a Mishnah Gitin, over there it also says drachim. When we're talking about, we make a comparison between gitein nashim, divorce that's used for women, and documents that free slaves. There also it says derachim. Why doesn't it say divarim? There it's not a specific way of things. It's just it, these are one of the these are one of the ways that it's similar. So how come it doesn't say davar? So in order to respond to these questions, the Gemara realizes that we're missing the real truth and the variable about when it says davar and when it says derach. Ella, rather the Gemara now switches. Whenever we're making a distinction, we're not just listing a number of things, but we're making a distinction, then it says derach. When there's no distinction, then it says devar. So in our Mishnah, where we're saying that there are three ways to make a Kedushin, we're actually making a distinction, even though the Mishnah is listing three, but it's actually coming to exclude something else. And we'll see in the continuation of the Gemara what exactly we're coming to exclude by only saying three. But that's the point. It's distinct. Only these three, but not a possible fourth or fifth thing. So therefore we say, therefore we say derech. And Rashi goes on to say that this same approach can explain the other Mishnahis. The mission that we had yesterday about Zav, about the causes that we're looking to be bodic for the why the emission came out. So we're excluding in our seven something like sleep. 
um, sleep is not a factor that we can attribute as something why it made the emission and the person would be a zav. The way that we compare to get to uh, shikhr, there also it's only a specific um, a specific things that are compared. Not everything is compared. For example, the halacha if you want to retract after you gave it to an agent would be different between a get shikhr and a get isha. So it's not always not always the same. So whenever we're making a distinction, then that then we're going to say. Um, the word derech, whenever we're just um, listing things uh, in a group, then we're going to say davar. The Gemara proves this because yesterday we had this with the esrog when we said that the esrog was in three ways, in three derechim, it was like the fruit, and in one derech it was like the yarek. So there also, it's distinction. It's three ways in halacha like the fruit, but in one way, in one derech it is like the vegetable. So Dekin Nama, you can prove this, Katani Seif, at the end of that Mishnah, Rabbi Lezer came to argue. Rabbi Lezer Omer, esrog shavala ilan the whole davar. The esrog was like the tree in every davar, meaning he argues on the last point that it's it's like the vegetable in regard to mice, or he disagrees. He holds that it's always like the tree. So since he's saying it's unequivocally like a tree, so he says Devarim. But the beginning of the Mishnah, where we were saying it was only compared for a few ways, then we said it was different. So then we called it a Derech. So that really proves our theory that Derech is going to be used whenever there's a distinction. Devarim will be used when there's not. Shmamina, we prove from here that that language is in fact correct. Okay, so now... We note that there must be things which are excluded from our mission. And that's the whole point. It says, Derek, it lists a specific number. And we're, uh, we're, we're coming to exclude other methods of condition. Only Kesav, Shtar, and Viyah. So the Gemara says, Minyano de Reisha, Mutemai. The number used in the beginning of the Reisha, that a woman can be um, nicknamed with three Drachim. What are we coming to exclude? What else would I think could have been valid? That is not. And we come to Seifa, and we said that in the Seifa, where a woman is Kona herself, when the marriage terminates in two ways, with divorce and with death, and Mutemai, what else could you possibly coming to exclude? So the Gemara explains, Minyano de Reisha, Mutemai, the number in the beginning comes to exclude Chupa. Chupa, there's actually a big dispute about what exactly chuppah is, but we'll just say the pashtus of when the woman is given over to the rishus of her husband. That's the definition of chuppah. We'll learn more about that. But anyways, when a woman is given over to the rishus of her husband, so typically that's done as a way of making nisuin. In other words, it doesn't make her become married, but it takes marriage to the next level. So kedushin is the kasr shar and bia, and then the nisuin is chuppah. What if somebody just does the chuppah? Can chuppah make the kedushin? So we're coming to say that it cannot, and this will be a discussion in the, uh, coming up in the in the Gemara. It's not so simple. Everybody agrees to that, but that's what the Gemara is saying. So that's why the Gemara says, Rav Huna disagreed, Rav Huna, Rav Huna, Rav Huna, he held that a Kavachomer is coming up on the Gemara Dafe, that, that certainly a Chuppah, that can make Nisun, it could certainly make Kedushin. So according to him, if the mission is not coming to exclude it, so what does the number three come to exclude? It says Gemara, and it comes to, ex- to, to exclude from the Kenyan of Chalipin. So a Kenyan of Chalipin, which in a way is going to sound very similar to the Kenyan of Kasef, but Kasef is where you're paying the value of something. And even if you don't give the full value, you start paying. It's like a down payment when, the, when you pay for the item of something. So if Reuven and Shimon make up to sell something, and uh, Reuven has it now and Shimon is buying it, so as soon as Shimon gives money to Reuven, if Reuven accepts the money, uh, the value, so then that makes a Gemir's Das, that their intent is binding, and it becomes Shimon's item. What if instead of paying something for the value, he gives uh, Shimon gives something in it as an exchange? So it's very, very subtle because it's, it's not about currency. It's about something being instead of the item. So you're kind of making an exchange as a opposed to a payment. You can think about it in that way. Usually we use a handkerchief. It doesn't even necessarily have to be worth a pruta, generally. The whole point is, it's a cleat, it's an article, it's an item, it's an exchange, this for that. So what if, in our scenario, 
instead of the husband giving the wife money, he gave her something else. He gave her a handkerchief as an exchange for her kedushin. What would the halacha be? The halacha is, it's not valid. You may have thought to say, what's our source for Kenyan Kasev? We learned yesterday, we learned from Ephron. So, if really that's the source, then why don't I say, just as a field could be Kona Bechalipin. That's actually the story in Rus. That's how that whole field, the whole story with Boaz, that's all the whole thing what happened. I would say that the woman should be acquired through Chalipin. Kamash Mulan, the mission therefore informs us that it's only three, and it's Kesar Sharon Bia, but not Chalipin. Says the Mar of Emachanami. How in fact do we know it's not right? Maybe it is correct that a woman could be acquired through Chalipin. So the Gemara explains, no, Chalipin is Nubakapachos Mishabaruta. Chalipin, since the whole thing is that it's an exchange with a Kli, so the, there's no minimum amount. As long as you're giving a Kli, you're giving you're giving an item, then it could be, be effective to make the Chalipin, even if that item is not worth a Pruta. However, such a thing can't work for a woman because a woman will not give herself over it would be like embarrassing demeaning for her to give herself over for something that's less than a pruta so therefore the method of chalipin is no good for kedushin and therefore it is excluded and and, and it seems that that we're going to say that it cannot be used for kedushin even if it happens to be that circumstantially the man gave the woman something which is worth a pruta in other words the very fact the very fact that chalipin could be um, less than a Shavar Pruta. That shows that the Kenyan is not significant enough because a woman would never give herself up for less than a Pruta. And, and therefore, it's just a general, that whole Kenyan is excluded regardless of the amount that the actual item that you're exchanging is. So if you give Kasa, if that works, you're paying for the thing, you're paying for the issues, you give the Pruta, that's value. But if you, that, that, that's a valuable Kenyan. But if you're giving an exchange, and an exchange by definition could be less than a Pruta, so even if it happens to be more than a Pruta, it's not a valid Kenyan. Says the Gemara. Now we go back to the number in the Seifa about when the woman acquires herself. She acquires her. Uh, she can go remarry anyone with the death of her husband or with a get. So Minyana de Seifa, what are we coming to exclude? The Chalitza. So coming to, we're coming to exclude Chalitza. Chalitza is what usually is done from the Yavam to, to the Yavama. That takes away the Zika, removes the bind. She can go remarried. But what if the husband would do Chalitza? So I mean, you may have thought to say, "Taste of Kavachomer Yavama." Let's learn a Kavachomer from Yavama that Chalitza should end the marriage. My Yavama she ends with a get. Yavama she doesn't leave with a get. Yavama after the death, she, the only way for her to leave is with Chalitza. So even though Yavama doesn't leave with Get, Yotzeba Chalitza, she can leave with Chalitza. Zushi Yotzeba Get, so then the married woman here who could leave with a Get, so in Odin Yotzeba Chalitza, all the more so she should be allowed to believe, she should be able to be released with Chalitza. Kamashmon, the Mishnah does tell us that she cannot, she cannot be divorced through Chalitza. Says so Marvei Machanami, maybe it is correct that Chalitza is a valid way of divorcing her. Amar Kra is safe for Krisis. The Torah talks about by divorce that the document of Krisis. So it's a Extra words are expounded that safer cards are only the safer, only a document can cut her off. In the Karsa, something else, which we're going to say is a reference to Chalitza, cannot cut her off. Now the Gemara continues to analyze the din of the Mishnah of Kasef, that a woman can become married with Kasef. Says the Gemara of Kasef Minalim, what's the source that a girl can become married with Kenyan Kasef? Now Rashi is saying, what kind of question is that? We had previously Kicha Kicha, Tzegzei Shava. We already know the source. So Rashi says, you're right, eventually the Gemara will come back to that. But this is the Ikr Sugya in its place. First, the Gemara mentioned it yesterday just as a tangent to know why the Mishnah said a Lushen of Nicknames. Now we're getting into the Ikr Sugya um, as if we're starting fresh. So how do we know that a woman is Nicknames by Kasef? It's two, how did nine? So now we're we're looking at a Mishnah Subas. The Mishnah Subas discusses the Rishus that a father has, the jurisdiction that a father has over his young daughter, certainly when she's a minor, but even when she turns 12. She's a Nara until she's 12 and a half, until she becomes a Bogaras. The father has rights. He has a jurisdiction over her. Many different rights based upon that Rishus. So it says in the Mishnah, he has rights over his daughter, to her Kedushin. In the sense, he has the right to marry her off, except Kedushin, 
from uh, from his future son-in-law, and, and that can work. Meaning, if he marries her off with money, the money is his. He can marry, he can accept the marriage document, and he can give her over to kedushin with bia, even against her will. So the question is, how do we know this? How do we know a woman is nikdis bekasef? Like our mishnah reiterating our first question and second question because of Davua second question is we see over there that the money goes to the father how do we know that how do we know that the father has rights to her Kesef Kedushin so we have two questions how do we know generally Kedushin is done because of and second of all when a father does it for a young girl how do we know he keeps the money so we're talking about here in the Pasuk the Pasuk is talking about when an Amma Ivriya becomes a Nara so what happens is a father has the right to sell like literally like a slavery kind of thing um, his young daughter, but the halacha is that when she becomes a nara, then she just goes free. Either the master can keep her as um, um, as, as a wife, and that's a method that she's released, or the, the money can be paid for the master for any remaining years of return of of her, of her term. But if not, none of those happens, then viyatzachinam in kasef. She goes out for free when she becomes a nara for no money. So what is the Pusik saying for free and for no money? It sounds like extra words. So she, you don't have to pay. She goes free when she's in Ara. So obviously it's not for money. So we make an inference. In case of Ladonzeh, there is no money which is given to this master. When this Nara leaves the jurisdiction of the master, which you know this master has bought her, has bought the minor girl. So when she becomes a Nara and she leaves, there's no money. There is money that has to be given to a different master. There is another scenario. When a Nara leaves someone, another master's jurisdiction, when she leaves another master's jurisdiction, that there is money given to the master. Who is this other master? Ah, but it's a reference to her father. So we're saying that there's another time when Anara leaves her master's jurisdiction, when her father is Makabel Kedushin. And in that scenario, there will be money. In other words, if she, she is betrothed, her father's Makabel Kedushin, so she's leaving the jurisdiction of her father, there will be money, there will be money which will go to the father. So in a case where she turns in, she was sold and then she turns to Nara, there's no money, she goes free automatically. But in a case where her father marries her off when she's a Nara, and that's why she's leaving her father's jurisdiction, there will be money and the money will go to her father. Says the Gemara, yes, you can infer from the Pasuk that there will be money, but maybe she keeps the money. All you see from the Pasuk is, and there's another scenario where she leaves her master and there is money, but it doesn't say who the money belongs to. So maybe the Pasuk is coming to infer that in a case where she's leaving her father's jurisdiction, there will be money and she will keep the money. Who says it will go to the father? So the Gemara says, well, wait a second. We know already before this Pasuk, that a father has the right to marry off his daughter. We know already that a father can accept money for a Kedushin as beating Asati The Pasuk is talking about by the Motzi Shemra, where a father marries off a, 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 his daughter. And then the husband has allegations against her. And then the, the father comes to, to refute those allegations. And he says, my daughter, I've given over to this man. And then we see from here, given over means that he was the party that made, affected the Kedushin. So we know already from a different passage that a father has the right to make her married. So if we know that, can it be that she takes the money for herself? And once we establish that the father is the one who is Makabal Kedushin, he is the Makna, he is the one who's affecting the transactions, so it's reasonable to say that he could be the one who should be Makabal the Kesef. 
And Rashi explains, because we see the Torah is giving him a right. The Torah is giving him a right. It's a right to marry off his daughter. So what kind of right, a right is that to marry off the daughter and for her to keep the money? So therefore, we assume that the entitlement that the father has to marry off the daughter includes as well the right to keep the money. So really, the Gemara isn't using so much the original source anymore. The Gemara is noting, well, we know that the father has the right to marry off his daughter. And we assume that that right encompasses the right to keep the money, because if not, what kind of right is that? So therefore, we have a source that um, we have a source that a father can keep the money that can keep the money that 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 that, that he makes from marrying off his daughter. We still need the first pasuk to establish that it's money, because again, the Gemara had two questions: How do we know it's money, and how do we know the father keeps it? So we know it's money because that's it's, there's an inference that in Nara there is money when she leaves another shows, but we're assuming it's the father's. Because if I know the, that the pasuk says he has a right to marry her off, so we assume he has a right to keep the money. But the Gemara notes that I don't might I could say maybe that right to keep the kedushin money applies only when she's a minor, when she's under twelve. The she doesn't have das. She can't be makabah her own kedushin. And therefore, the Gemara is saying maybe only when she's when she's a katana do I say that the father's rights to marry her off will then extend and allow him to keep the money as well. When she's a nara, she has the potential to make a kedushin on her own, even though the father might also have a right. But Anara has her own right. She's independent. So she has her own independence and she can make her own condition. So maybe take the maybe she should herself and take the money. So we don't see that the father's rights apply to Anara. So we kind of have to back up and say, how do we know for Anara? Now the Gemara is shifting. And until now, we've been discussing just a young girl. Now that we're shifting. Okay, a minor we know. And we know that the father can be Makabal Kedushin then because that's the right. But maybe when she's a Nara, she has independent Das. She's mature, so maybe it's her Yad which matters and the father cannot be Makabal Kedushin and keep the money. How do we know that? So we bring a different Pasuk. Amar Kra, Benu Rabbi Sophia. This Pasuk, He's talking about the father's right to annul vows that his, his daughter made while she's a Nara. And it says that these are the, the laws that Moshe taught for the girl, when she's a Nara in her father's house. So those are extra words. And we darshan kol lavia. Whatever prophets come to a girl when she's a Nara will then go to her father. So therefore, once there's such a principle, even if hypothetically she would be Makadish herself, the money would still go to the father. And therefore, once I say if she'd be Makadish herself, the money that she would get would go to the father. It seems reasonable to the Gemara that we assume the father can marry her off as well. This is a hard point in the Gemara because Koshvach Nurim Lavia only says that if she marries her, herself, the money that she makes should then be, the profit generated should then go to the father. But how do I know that means the father has a right to marry her? That's a difficult point in the Gemara. It seems once we know that the Kedushan would go to the father, so then we assume the father can mock, can, can, we assume that the father we assume that the father can be mocking her as well and transact the Kedushan. Says the Gemara, is that really a valid drasha? taught in the name of Rav. How do we know that if a girl has a job, then when she makes, it goes to the father. When she's a Nara, how do I know the money that she makes from her job goes to her father? So it says in the in, in the Pasuk, and the father would sell his daughter as a maidservant. So it's Masma. There's a comparison between a daughter and a maidservant. Just as a maidservant, when she makes as as when she makes labor, the prophets go to the master. So too with a girl, even if she's a nara, so the the whatever she produces goes to the father. So there's a new source we see 
that the Nara's job, the profits that she makes, go to her father. Why do I need such a new teaching? If there's really such a drasha, any profit made by Nara goes to her father, then you should know it from there. So why do we need a new comparison from to Amma Ivriya? We should know it from the Rabbi Sevilla. Ella, what must be the truth? Bafaras and Dharm Dharm is not a good enough source. Maybe Benu Rabbi Sofia is only talking about that a father has a right to annul her vows, but it doesn't extend to monetary issues. It doesn't tell us he has a right to her to the daughter's labor. So Achanami, so too in regards to kedushin, my father's So if you could say Benu Rabbi Sofia is not a source that if the girl makes a kedushin, the money goes to the father, because the pasuk of Benu Rabbi Sofia is only talking about the annulment of vows. So therefore, the Gemara has to accept this. We're backstock. How do I know that in Nara is uh, her father can be makabel the kedushin and keep the money? No, maybe she has an independence. She has a maturity. She should. She should be one to marry herself off and me makabel the kedushin. And the Gemara notes, and if you're going to say, well, why don't I learn it, Anara's kedushin, from the fact that, 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 that her father has a rishos to annul her vows, it's reasonable he has a rishos to marry her off as well. I can't learn mamun from Isser, the right to marry off a girl is a monetary right, because you make the money. I can't learn that from Isser, the halacha, that he can be made for her nether, just because he can annul a vow, I can't learn that he can be mekadashir. Maybe you'll learn from kenasos, meaning we find and when an unmarried Nara, who's still a virgin, is raped or seduced, there's a fine that the Torah says the rapist has to pay. And that fine, the Torah says, is paid to the father. So I see that the father does have a right to monetary things over his Nara. So maybe so too for Kedushin. But when we can also you can't learn from Kenasa. Kenasa is different. Kenasa is like, it's not, you know, it's like a, an anomalous thing. Kenasa, penalties. So penalties, you can't learn for regular monetary laws. Maybe learn from the Boshas of Begam. Meaning there decides for the, there's a flat fee of 50 silver coins, but there's also the amount that's paid for for, for the humiliation and how much she's devalued by not being a virgin anymore. And those also go to the father, the Torah says. So those are monetary payments. Those aren't penalties. Those are monetary payments. So you see those go to the father. So maybe do with the Kess of Kedushin. So the Gemara says, no, Shani Boshes Begam, Davi Boshes Begam are different because there her father has a right in them. In what sense? Because a father has the right to be Makadish, his daughter, to a person who's really repulsive or his disgusting habits, which would humiliate her and blemish her, and he can make money from that. So therefore, he has a financial stake in the Boshes Begam of his daughter. And now what's happening is that if someone rapes the girl, so now she's been violated, it's, it, it, this rapist has, has caused the father to lose some of the potential gain he might have had had he been able to make the shirt to anyone he wanted. So therefore, it makes sense that the Boshes Upagam should go to the father because the father would have had a rightful stake in giving her over to humiliate her or devalue her by giving her over to some random person. But however, that doesn't show us that in general that he should have a right to her Kasef Kedushin. So the Gemara, we are still stuck here. How do we know how do we know that a father has the right to the Kesef Kedushin of a Nara? Maybe she, she, since she is mature, she should have a right to marry herself off. And when she has the right to marry herself off, then she should keep the Kesef Kedushin. Again, we know that a father primarily has a right to marry off a Katana. And we know that in that case, he's going to keep the money. But how do I know that for a Nara, perhaps she should marry herself off and keep the money? How do I know that the father is in the Makna and therefore he'll keep the Kesef Kedushin? So we have to go all the way back so we had a pasuk that we started with. When a girl was sold in slavery and she turns 12, there's no money, she goes off free. So it's mashma that when she leaves a different master, when she leaves a different master, when she leaves her father's domain, then there is money. The Gemara, the Gemara, the Gemara had a problem with that. 
because it was saying, how do I know it goes to the father? Maybe it goes to the girl. So the Gemara explains, it's mistaber, it's reasonable when the Torah is excluding from in there. And that passage, you see the Kavasei It's like the thing which she is leaving, meaning just as over there, when the maidservant is leaving her master, no money means that it's not going to be given to the master. She's going away from her master and the master is not receiving any money. So instead, it's mashma that when she would leave a different master, when she would leave the father's rishos, money would be given to the to, to, to the master. Money would be given, directed towards the master. So that's the big switch here in the Gemara. The Gemara is saying that the part of the kasef, that there the master will not get any money when the Nara goes free from her work, but there will be money which will be given to a different master. And that's the point that the Gemara is being machadish now, that it's mashma in the inference of the Pasuk, that the money will go to the master of the one that she is leaving when she leaves her father's rishos, when he, when, 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 when he is mechadish her, when she's a Nara and she's leaving his domain, then he will receive the money and not her. Says the Gemara, how can we compare the two leavings? How do we leave? How do we compare the departure of Kedushin to the departure of the maidservant? There, she's completely leaving. It's only Kedushin. She's not, she hasn't been given over to the Chuppah. She hasn't completely left her father's jurisdiction. So, like, how can the Pasuk say that? There's no, there's no money when she leaves this master. There is money when she leaves a different master. But she's not really leaving. Even though the father is marrying her off, but she still remains in, under his jurisdiction on some level. So the Gemara explains, no, but Faris and Darmi not clipper shoes. As soon as there's kedushin to to an arat, on some level, the father has has lost his rights because he can no longer annul all of her vows all by himself. The Nana says in the Mishnah, when a Nara becomes betrothed, even before she leaves her father's domain, she's still living by him. As soon as she's betrothed, now. If, if she makes a nether, the father can only be made for the nether together with the husband. So there is somewhat of a leaving from the father's jurisdiction when he betrothes his nara. When he's Makadish, his daughter, she leaves somewhat. Not fully, it's true, she's still living by him. She's not completely moved out. But he loses his 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 sole right of being made for the nadarim. He can only be made for the nadarim together with the husband, and therefore it is a yitziah. It is a leaving from his jurisdiction, and that's what the pasuk is saying. This this time, when she leaves the jurisdiction of their master, when she leaves her father's jurisdiction, he will receive the money. So, in conclusion, we have a question: How do we know this Kenyan kesef, and how do we know when the, when the father's makadish his daughter, he keeps the money? The answer is the yatsachinam in kesef. It's mashma. There is a different money which is given when she leaves a different master, and that's the father, and that includes even the. Nara, she is leaving his, his, his domain, he's Makadesher, and he will keep the money in that particular context.